0: Welcome to Mountain Mamas Misadventures, stories of mishap and adventure from women adventurers. Every woman has a story she can share from the zany to the inspirational. Brought to you by Mountain Mamas, a nonprofit women's adventure
1: organization. Women empowering women to adventure. My name is Emily Hacken. And I am Catherine Raphael. And you are my new co-host today. <laughs> yes, this has been a lifelong dream bucket list ever since the origins of Mountain Mamas. <laughs> Catherine's my cousin.
0: She's visiting from Tennessee, and we have an awesome guest today. And I asked that she come and co-host and help me ask questions and especially um, introduce our guest. So would you like with that?
1: Without further ado, <laughs> I would love to. On the program today, we are pleased to have Jane Hodson, one of the most hilarious women that you will ever meet, Um, and my mother. (laughs) Um, She grew up in Salt Lake City, um, pretty much in the foothills of the Wasatch Mountains, and my grandmother, her mother, had a triangle and she would call my mother home from the mountains. So mom was allowed to go anywhere that she could, as long as she could hear that triangle. <laughs> and see the house, which was the entire Wasatch Front. <laughs> yep, so she pretty much knew those mountains like the back of her hand. She knew all the little caves and the little nooks and crannies and would run off and play and, and be called home to dinner by the triangle. Um, she spends her time between Heber City, which is her home base, Park City and Salt Lake City where she manages apartments and that could be a totally other podcast. (laughs) If you ever run into her, ask her about her apartment stories. (laughs) Um, She has five children, of which I'm the oldest, and then followed by three more daughters and a son, a little caboose,
2: (laughs) and um,
1: what else? So many things to say about mom.
2: Binoculars as well as triangles.
1: Oh yes, yeah, binoc-
2: but and There was also a set of binoculars. She had.
1: <laughs> grandmother was a wise woman. I gotta tell you that, <laughs> and I knew that
2: she could see me with her magic binoculars at anywhere in the Wasatch Front, just like Miss Julie could see me on her magic mirror from Romper <laughs> <laughs> And
1: and there were neighbors watching out too. I recall a, a motorcycle incident where you were supposed to walk this. My mom got this motorcycle when she was a kid, and she was supposed to walk it home on the public streets. <laughs> and uh, a nosy neighbor was always watching down and would call Grandma. I, I saw, Rose, I saw Jane get on her motorcycle and ride it in the street instead of walking it back to the house.
2: <laughs> My mother said, make sure you get past Edna Brewster's line of sight before you get on it on the way before you get to the hill. That's what advice.
0: What was what? I love it. I love it. So, um, what was your interesting fact you wanted to share with us?
2: A quote from Ray Hunt Adjust to fit the situation. He said it much in his life, and it was also written in his obituary. He died as he lived. Adjusting to fit the situation. Brilliant. How do you use that in your life? Ah uh, depends. That's the other quote of that I live by. It depends <laughs> on the situation to be adjusted that's to. That's
1: true. We heard that a lot growing up. Yeah, it depends. In yeah. fact, sometimes and the smartest maybe. answer is
2: depends.
1: Well, we all knew that maybe
2: meant no. I would say no, and then work into a maybe, and then usually into a yes. Ah,
1: yeah,
2: that's true.
1: The only rule growing up was no Barbie glitter that I can recall. After considering <laughs> long times.
2: And no gum, <laughs> you know, in, like, habitable areas.
0: <laughs> That's true. My There's, mom had
2: very similar rules.
0: No bubbles.
2: bubbles. No bubbles in the house. Yeah, Kool-Aid. Outside.
1: Kool-Aid was banned. Yeah, Red
0: Kool-Aid. Legos. Also banned in our house. Well, I'll oh, tell either. you a
2: story. Uh, stop. This isn't the story, but red Kool Aid on a white horse doesn't work as well as red jello, which they actually use in Vogue. <laughs> it's approaching Halloween, little tip on the down low. <laughs>
0: For dyeing a horse red? Is that what you're Which
2: saying? is cruel if you think about it. Dye your horse in red jello. Come mm-hmm. on. The horse is like, oh, this recycling. <laughs> and, you know. Comes around, goes around. (laughs)
1: Check out that old food storage.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right, so we were excited.
0: Jane wanted to share some stories about cougars. She's had her fair share of cougar cougar experiences, and we wanted to hear, yes.
2: The misadventure on my mind today begins with a wedding at a newly 18-year-old me. In the mountains, by the way which was my most happiest, which was a very happy wedding, and, and this is my best honeymoon story. You know, because I have others. <laughs> but this is the best honeymoon story. And we decided, because we were poor, too, and I got a car, a Dodge Colt, because I graduated high school from my dad. And we took this Dodge Colt after Greg and I were married, Catherine's dad, and we decided to go to Piedra Canyon in Colorado and hike and go up through around the Great Divide. And we loved to camp, and so we had different ideas of what that meant. He, I found out, likes to take spam on campouts, and I like (laughs) freeze-dried backpack uh, MREs, and they're all equally, you know, kind of disgusting, but... (laughs) We headed towards Pietro Canyon in our Dodge Colt, and I drove until, I, until my eyes hurt. And then Greg said, I'll take it from here. I know where I'm going. And he immediately took the next wrong turn and drove us hundreds of miles out of our way and parked on the center of the freeway between trucks going back and forth. And at uh, five in the morning, I needed to pee, and I got out of the car and found out that we were in the middle of the desert but there was heavy traffic <laughs> of trucks going back and forth. So we turned around before GPS went way back to where the turnoff was towards Colorado and uh, Piedra Canyon. So we made it there that evening just in the as things were getting dark and we unloaded and we lit a fire cuz you could do that in those days. And we put it out a tarp and our sleeping bags. And we took our watermelon to the stream to get cold for us. Yeah. And we opened the Spam and our cast iron pan, which is, you know, camping and backpacking, two different things. Okay, so cast iron pan, Spam, and, you know, and we got the fire going and had this delightful dinner. And then we went to bed and went to sleep. And that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then we woke up in the next morning to put away our packs and underneath our tarp were infestations of ticks by the millions of them uh, under between the tarp and the ground uh, and so we spent the first day doing monkey grooming going over each other to make sure none of us had ticks on and then we shook them all out of our bedding and well that's rolled like the perfect honeymoon actually it was exquisite. <laughs> rolled up our bat bedding and clean cleaned the camp up and put everything away. went over to get our watermelon of the day and it uh, and there was a moose on it no. a female large moose, and she just you know acted like thank you lunch munch, munch. We're like, okay, you're welcome then. <laughs> so. Uh, was the story of our watermelon sharing and then we went hiking and fishing and we took our fishing poles and started up the canyon and this was a year of a drought and it was the 17th year of the cicada hat you know they come around like every 17 or 12 or whatever years and so there were these massive cicadas that looked like darth vader's droning through the sky all around (laughs) us in warfare mode. And you could see them coming across the whole canyon at you and run right into you. So we hiked all day up the canyon, above the river, on the side of the mountain. Uh, And then we found a place to go down. We saw a nice little hole way far below us. And we found a place to scurry through the trees and over a cliff and down and then cross the river to this really great fishing hole. And we used, I, I had some flies that I had tied, and Greg was a worm and marshmallow guy. <laughs> and so he wanted to show me his secrets to success, which were many. Then he put a worm and a marshmallow on this hook, and then he came over and held my hand as I was getting ready to cast, and we cast the very first cast together and had an instant hit of a large trout. Whoa! And we reeled it in and stopped everything and built a little fire and opened it up, and and we had butter and aluminum foil with us. And we lit a fire (laughs) next to the stream and cooked a fish right there and ate it. And it was smoked, and you know, so were we, all fishy, and it was wonderful and fun. (laughs) And then we thought, you know, we're miles away from our camp. Let's go hiking back to camp now. So we started back up the side of the cliff and got up to the trail and started heading back towards camp, and it was a beautiful full moon. And it was quite light. We didn't have flashlights, but we were trying to... Hike quickly to get back, you know, before it got too dark on us. But then this full moon came up, and it was just wonderful. And and Greg was pretty fit at the time. He was walking ahead of me kind of quickly. And I somehow thought I wished I would have taken a Halloween mask to put on backwards so I didn't get attacked by tigers. But it was actually much worse than that because there were mountain lions in the area, and there was a drought, and there were not a lot of rabbits around, and... um. Behind us, I heard a little, and they're quite silent, mountain lions are quiet, but I heard a little bit of, like, leaves getting stepped on, and I stopped and turned around, and Greg by this time was quite nervous and starting to run away (laughs) and leave me behind. Anyway. Did he know that there was a, did you
0: guys have a thought?
2: He thought something was following us. Yeah. And I thought something was following us. We had this feeling that we were being followed. And I said, um, we hadn't talked about religion much, a lot. We had talked a little bit before we got married, but I said, can we say a family prayer, our first ever, <laughs> and in fact, you know? And he agreed and said yes, and we knelt down and said a prayer for protection and safety and thankfulness for this, you know, the cicadas. <laughs> And the and the, you know ticks and the, and the moose and all this fun stuff and this wonderful <laughs> glorious world that we live in. We thanked Heavenly Father for all of that and said our first prayer, and asked Him to not let us get eaten on our first night <laughs> out in the mountains and to get back safely to our camp. And so we got back up and and which is a very vulnerable position to be in the mountains on your knees in the nighttime, you know, with a nocturnal something behind you. And so um, we knew we were vulnerable, but we felt confident that there was a God. (laughs) And so we stood up, and as this happened, this was a narrow, steep trail, the mountain on one side and the cliff on the other. And as we stood up, this cat actually just ran right next to us, What? And up ahead of us, and past us, and up ahead of us to where there was a cliff and the full moon in the background, and you could clearly see the mountain lion on this cliff and the trail going right beneath (laughs) that we were going to go on. (laughs) So. You know, at this point, we're thinking, maybe we should have sang a hymn, too, or something. You know? <laughs> and uh, We talk about things and stay there for a minute and just calmly stayed there and talked kind of loudly amongst ourselves about what a wonderful time we were having and how how it was wonderful that we'd had this smelly fish all over us that <laughs> it's fried and all this fun stuff. and And eventually... It just, you know, it laid down above the trail and just looked at us from this rock for a while and waited. And we didn't go. And then, about ten minutes later, it just kind of walked off and trotted down and trotted away. And we felt perfectly comfortable walking uh, out of there at that point, which we did. And then after we got about a mile away, we ran like the dickens <laughs> and tried not to get ourselves beaten up too much falling down on the trail. And then the camp. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> So that was an exquisite start to our adventurous life in the mountains.
0: That's like
2: out of a movie. Yes. <laughs> <newlyweds> on adventures. <laughs> Honeydew. You, know, you know, this is what you do on the cheap. I <laughs> know,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's so true. You narrowly escape with your lives, but you save so much money.
2: <laughs> that was brilliant. That was brilliant. Yeah. That's save epic.
0: And you also had another story you wanted to share about your daughter. Uh, Not Catherine, but another
2: daughter. Okay, yes. Yeah, the fun thing about this is it has to do with horses. It's just like horses, because there were horses involved. And so daughter number three, at this time, uh, our family had moved to Heber City, because, you know, horses... (laughs) <laughs> and so I bought this horse and then I tied it to a post and built a fence around it and got more horses. <laughs> and then I you know, had had a ranch, just like
0: that. Daughters <laughs>
2: at the time and then daughter four and son five came. But daughter three had this little pony, his little cute little Welsh little pony, white, named Skeeter. So um she came home from school and I got on Patches, which was a glorious little paint horse, butterscotch color with black patches and white patches, and one blue eye and one brown eye.
0: Hmm.
2: Just like my mother, the eye part. The rest of it. <laughs> and so I rode patches, well, and she down. rode Skeeter, and we went out the door and up the um, road on Center Creek in Heber City up into the past, um, the ranch up there. and. Uh, you know, there's like a gravel pit, and then we kept on going quite a, quite a bit up the hill. And um, we uh, were in the springtime, and there were sheep that the ranchers had let out that, for the spring. They had just moved lots of sheep up into this high mountain area, and we went through the sheep and the sheep herders and the camps and stuff, and kept on going up to the ridge and had lunch, and then decided to head back. It was later in the afternoon. so we started um, walking back uh, on our horses towards home, and we got below the ridge and above the sheep and um this is a this is a series of events now that happened in quick succession here. <laughs> <laughs> no, How old was Eileen at this time? She was young. She was that's a good point. She must have been about twelve. I'm gonna guess twelve. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And she was handy with a pony. <laughs>
1: <laughs> practical. Very practical.
2: <laughs> she, she was a, yeah. She was young. She was cute, and she was about twelve. And um, I was younger as well. <laughs> okay, now to the series of events that happened very quickly, <laughs> and it started, you know, with my horse's left eye, which was blue, <laughs> and and uh, and I could see her attention looking to the left, and the with her left ear also really quickly afterwards. Becoming alert to this location ahead of us, pointing her ear ahead, and then let the right ear. Uh, you know, it went like her eyes, her ears looking ahead, and then, and then I looked to see what the horse was looking at, and then Eileen looked to see what we were looking at, and then her pony was the last cute little guy. <laughs> that looks over there, and <laughs> picks up his head and his ears, and they're going forward and everything. And while this is happening, the horses' feet, which is where it's all at, by the way, when you're talking about horses, it's all about your mind going into their feet. But they had minds of their own going into their feet at this <laughs> point, and they did not miss a step. Big horse props to those little ponies that day because They had this stuff going on with their heads, but their feet were just right in beat, continuing straight ahead. They knew that we knew and that we knew that they knew. And what we were all knowing at the time was within about six feet ahead of us on the left was this massive mountain lion. (laughs) And it was a male, and he was just not afraid. By the way, neither of these mountain lions had any fear of us. Whatsoever,
1: any man of mine that
2: I've ever encountered had zero fear, and oh, that's there's so a crazy. lot. That's there's a lot about body language that's very um, interspecies, that is is a, you know a universal, amazing language, and I suggest practicing it on your husband, not your family. <laughs> Practice it when you get the chance, and, and so these horses kept going forward at a steady pace, and the mountain lion recognized that it had been seen by all of us, and that we were just walking on as if it wasn't, you know, as if we were going on past, uh-huh. you know, past this thing. It was uh, again waiting ahead of us this time. On was the it on the ground the in a tree? It was down. Or? It was crouched like a cat ready to jump on a laser beam (laughs) (laughs) on the left of the road. And it was a dirt road. It was wide enough for one car. Mm -hmm. And it was laying in wait ahead for us to come into it. Like clearly, like you could clearly
0: clearly see it. Oh,
2: it was only six or eight feet away when we first saw it. And we continued coming ahead. And when it recognized that it had been seen, I think the largeness of us, in the daytime, but anyway, um, it casually got up and stretched like a house cat, and when it did, it was as wide, it was as wide with its tail as the road was wow. wide. It was massive, and it just kind of stretched out, yawned, and then just turned down the road in front of us and just trotted straight down the path and then skipped off to the right in the bushes and took off. And so, Whoa. while this was going on, Eileen says to me, "Mom, what do mountain lions eat?" And I said, you "No, know, little girls and ponies." <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> <You know>? and <laughs> and so, <laughs> so the next week, she's like, "Hey, can we go up there again?" I'm like, "Yeah, that was really cool. Let's go up there again." <laughs> So we did go up there again, and when we did, there was um, the sheep herders had put out. Uh, I, I'm guessing there was an incident with some lamb chops up there oh because no. the sheep herders had put out some kind of uh, poison for that. For the cougar? For the cougar. And we didn't have a cougar sighting, but we saw lots and lots of sheep that time. Wow. So, you know, nature or whatever.
0: Uh. <laughs> oh my, like, there are so many cougars in the foothills and around in the Salt Lake and, like, foothills, the mountain, the Wasatch Front.
2: We're in Park City today. They live in this neighborhood. They are on the neighbor's doorbell cameras frequently. And they go, well, you know, it's, whose habitat is it now in the foothills of Salt Lake? And yeah. The place. There they are also. Yeah. But um, what do you do, you know? What was that just to fit the situation? <laughs>
0: What is your cougar advice obviously in most situations remain calm be loud be yourself as big as you can I, yeah i
2: can tell you that i really um know that i was guided to say that prayer but i can't say that i recommend getting down on your knees in front of a cougar i don't i don't know that i can uh, because it's a, it's a matter of your intent and your and your faith and your and your control and power over the situation and sometimes these Cougars, it's astonishing to think that they have brains in their head and they're quite large and they're thinking themselves and they have their own agendas too. So adjust to fit the situation. <laughs> you know, I've seen some recent cougar videos on on um, the, of encounters that have happened in Utah recently. And you think of the person, there's one in particular where the cougar has babies. It's a female with babies and she's kind of, chasing the guy down and swatting at him, and he is backing (laughs) up. (laughs) Just swatting at him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and he's backing up and filming it. And so I can say, uh, you know, you may want to think that there's a level of protection of filming between you, but that camera is not probably as effective at causing a barrier between you and a mountain lion as possibly your own face and your (laughs) own body and your own body language. And if you're, you know... uh, uh, in fact, it, it, I would just say that in that video that some of you may know that I'm referencing, I saw several points of uh, a point of entry where the cougar could have come after him and didn't and was more restrained than that. But yeah, I uh-huh. think they're dangerous, and I think your body language is totally transferable to translatable between interspecies and um Uh, alertness be aware that that might happen to you even if you're not out in a very remote place Mm -hmm. I was I was in semi-remote places probably both times and and they knew that this was their home for sure it was all their habitat yeah they could be anywhere they wanted they could do what they want apex predator you know apex predator (laughs) you always
1: taught us that the horses could pick up on fear that you have to carry yourself. Mm-hmm. In like a when way you're riding
0: that, a horse. Yeah. yeah,
1: even just interacting with them. If we would go out to, to do whatever we needed to do out in the field, that that they could pick up on those cues, and that if we weren't confident and if we if we let them push us around, they were going to. So, Absolutely.
2: They'll yeah. look at you and think that's a hole in the gate or something instead of a person standing in my way. Mm-hmm. And And it's very much like that with wild animals that you'll encounter out in the mountains. Many kinds of them. I've seen very ferocious badgers that want to chase me from a half a mile away, and I'm like, what do you do? It's like, oh, fooey you know, I guess I will run because, you know, they're like, I've got three-inch legs. i <laughs> you know, run for my life. <laughs> but yeah, body language there is very, very un- unmistakable. <laughs>
0: Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much, to Jane, for you sharing, your, oh. <laughs> sharing your stories with us
1: today. <laughs> to hear more fun, inspiring stories from women like Jane, click subscribe button, and then you can get these podcasts directly on your personal device every week. Also, you can help empower other women by adding a five-star review and sharing it with your friends and family.
0: <laughs> Good job, Kevin. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Well, that's it for today's adventure. We're so delighted that you joined us. Um, I just love Jane. She just shares, she's just a very good storyteller. And I'm just, she's my favorite. Um, Always witty. Can I say my favorite aunt? My yeah. other aunt's listening.
1: I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> She's definitely my favorite mom. For sure, hands <laughs> down. <laughs> for sure.
0: Always has been my favorite aunt. Absolutely. Yes, that's it for today's adventure. Join us next time, and as always, remember
2: a woman's place is in the mountains.